everyone wants to get more sleep, and there are a ton of different sleep hacks out there, noise machines, meditation, earplugs, which I do, but you can immediately transform your sleep with Bowl & Branch. We have Bowl & Branch sheets in our house. They're in white. They are so soft. In fact, we say all the time, but they really do get softer with every wash. And the sheets also come in a really pretty box, kind of wrapped up like a present just for you. They feel buttery and breathable to start. And again, as Motion and I always say, they get softer with every wash. Best of all, it feels a little bit luxurious every time you slip into bed. These best-selling sheets are also made with the finest 100% organic cotton. They are completely free from toxins, soft yet super breathable. There's a 30-night worry-free guarantee so you can wash them, style them, and sleep in them for an entire month. And if you don't really love them, you could send them back right away. And again, they're made without toxins. There's no synthetic pesticides, formaldehyde, and other harsh chemicals. So sleep better with the softest, most breathable bedding from Bowl & Branch. Get 15% off your order when you use the promo code MONEWS at bowlandbranch.com. That is Bowl & Branch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com. That promo code MONEWS, M-O-N-E-W-S, for 15%, 15% off your order. Hey, everybody. It is Monday, August 29th. I'm Mo Shwanunu, and you're listening to the Mo News Podcast. This is the place where we bring you just the facts from verified sources and a breakdown of what matters in the news. I try to read all the news and read between the lines so you don't have to. We are back after a three-day weekend. I appreciate everyone's patience. I'm actually taping this podcast in Nashville, Tennessee, where I had the honor of speaking at the TEDx conference here over the weekend. I'm excited to share the TEDx talk with all of you very soon on this podcast. My topic was the future of news lessons from my Instagram account and the Mo News experience for the mainstream media. So that is coming to you very soon. And I appreciate everyone's patience as I took Friday off. I was in final preps trying to memorize a 15-minute speech, no script. Uh, It went well, thankfully. Appreciate uh, all of your patience and, of course, the patience of my wife, who was uh, dealing with my anxiety the past couple weeks. Okay, let's get to some of the headlines we're watching as we begin another week here. NASA is set to launch its biggest trip to the moon today in 50 years. We will tell you how big a deal that is and how close we are to putting man and woman on the lunar service in the coming years. This will be another major week for the Trump investigations. We'll have more details on them. We're watching some record flooding in Pakistan. Officials there are attributing it to climate change. I'll break that down for you. We got an update over the weekend on whether the U.S. government is ready to sue Apple, the most valuable company in the world. We'll tell you all about that. And many of you are awaiting the new Amazon Prime Lord of the Rings series. That is out Friday. It comes with a very hefty price tag for the big company. We'll have the details and some of the mind-blowing numbers. Okay, let's start with the biggest test in decades for NASA. Just after 8.30 a.m. Eastern Time, Monday morning, NASA is set to launch its most powerful rocket ever on a trip around the moon. The 322-foot Space Launch System rocket will send an empty crew capsule into lunar orbit. If this six-week test flight goes well, astronauts could return to the moon in just a couple years. Though a number of NASA officials caution that the risks for this flight are very high, 
The flight could be cut short, but we will be watching this launch Monday and this 42-day mission. This December actually marks 50 years since the last time we put humans on the moon. That was back in December 1972. For this test flight, though, it'll be three test dummies that'll be strapped into the Orion capsule to measure vibration, acceleration, and radiation. Radiation is actually one of the biggest hazards to humans in deep space, so that's going to be something NASA is going to be watching very closely. This capsule alone has more than a thousand sensors. There was some fear over the weekend as major storms struck Cape Canaveral, but NASA officials said Sunday that neither the rocket nor the capsule suffered any damage from five confirmed lightning strikes. The strikes apparently hit the 600-foot lightning protection towers that surround the rocket at NASA's Kennedy Space Center. A couple key facts for you here. The new moon program is called Artemis. That is the name of Apollo's twin sister in Greek mythology. Apollo, of course, with the original moon program back in the 1960s and 70s. And so if this 42-day mission, six weeks, goes well, this is the game plan. As early as 2024, NASA hopes to send four human astronauts around the moon, and then a landing could then follow as soon as 2025 in just about three years, which would also land the first woman on the moon. The Apollo missions only landed men on the moon back in the 60s and 70s. For that mission, in just a couple of years, NASA is targeting the moon's unexplored South Pole, where permanently shadowed craters are believed to hold ice that could be used by future crews. The long-term plan here, the reason why we're going back to the moon, is to then use the moon as a launching pad for a mission to Mars in the 2030s, in the coming decade. So the space geek in me will be watching this mission. You should be able to stream the launch on a number of providers, including YouTube, this morning. I will also have coverage on my Instagram account. Okay, we're also watching this week a few legal developments as we mark three weeks today since the FBI conducted that search warrant of Mar-a-Lago. A second federal judge, this is another judge in Florida, has set a hearing for this Thursday on whether to appoint a special master to oversee the review of documents retrieved from the former president's home. The Florida judge, Aileen Cannon, she was appointed by Trump actually back in 2020. She put out an order Saturday that says she is inclined to call for a special master. This is an independent observer, but wants to hold a hearing to hear both sides this week. Trump lawyers have been calling for an independent arbiter to be part of the FBI review process. Judge Cannon is calling for the Justice Department to produce a more detailed list of what they took from his property, though the Justice Department does insist they already have what's called a filter team to ensure that anything non-relevant or privileged is returned to the former president. You might remember that that included his passports just days after the search, they were returned to him. Given the former president's criticism of the search, he's been taken to social media, etc., been very critical, outside legal experts have been puzzled by Trump's legal strategy. While he has been complaining on social media, he's never filed any official complaints that the search was illegal, and they waited more than two weeks to call for this special master. If you were following late last week, you saw that the affidavit, a redacted version of the affidavit, was released on Thursday. In that affidavit, we found out that one of the concerns the Justice Department had leading up to the search, and one of the reasons they asked for the search warrant, was that 184 classified documents had already been returned by the former president's team in 2022, including 25 labeled top secret. Those are the types of documents that can only be read in secure rooms. And so with those concerns and concerns that some of these documents could compromise foreign assets, foreign spies for the US and information the US has intercepted about foreign countries, all of that was unprotected, they felt, in Mar-a-Lago. And that's some of what we learned from the affidavit, though more than half the affidavit was redacted, was, was blocked out because it is ongoing investigation. So we'll monitor that going into Thursday, whether this special master, whether this independent observer will be assigned to the process. One of the other things we are going to be watching this week is the fallout from revelations on Friday from top current U.S. intelligence officials that they are conducting a national security assessment 
of the classified materials taken from Trump's property three weeks ago. Avril Haines, she is the director of national intelligence, the DNI. The DNI oversees all of the U.S. government intelligence arms. It's not just the CIA, folks. There's more than 16 U.S. intelligence arms. The DNI oversees all of them, intelligence arms of the State Department, of the Energy Department, of the Defense Department, and so on and so forth. Haynes sent a letter to House Democrats and Senate Democrats on Friday saying intelligence analysts and Justice Department officials are undertaking a classification review and determining how much damage these documents could have caused if they were seen by outside actors. The idea here and the concern here from top congressional officials on the intelligence committees, uh, these were Democrats on the House side and Senate side, they want to know that these documents that have been in the former president's possession outside of a secure facility for now more than 18 months, how much damage, if somehow they had been seen by foreign actors, uh, how much damage could have been done to U.S. national security? So that's what is the assessment that's currently being done here. And we'll see how this all proceeds. One thing to keep in mind as someone who covered Congress for many years is Congress is often the place for many, many leaks. And so I'm sure that is going through the minds of top U.S. intelligence officials. Now that Congress is interested in what was taken from the property, how cautious they will be about what they brief Congress on and, and what they tell Congress. And that's despite the fact that most of these hearings and briefings on Capitol Hill happen in secure rooms in classified briefings. Sometimes those details do leak out. Okay, I went ahead abroad here at a couple headlines we're watching. I posted some video and photos from the disastrous widespread flooding in Pakistan over the weekend. The death toll has now topped more than a thousand in the country since mid-June. Officials on Sunday, including the country's climate minister, called the deadly monsoon season a serious climate catastrophe. Flash flooding from the heavy rains has washed away villages, crops, uh, thousands of acres as soldiers and rescue workers are evacuating stranded residents to the safety of relief camps. Monsoons do happen in Pakistan every year, but they say this could be the worst ever, worse than the record flooding back in 2010. This monsoon season has affected all four of the country's provinces. A couple hundred thousand people have been displaced. Nearly 300,000 homes have been destroyed. Numerous roads have been rendered impassable. Electricity outages are affecting millions in the country. In addition to the record rainfall, that's 600% more than normal monsoon season in some of these regions. Pakistan is also seeing a significant glacier melt. Pakistan is actually home to the highest number of glaciers outside the polar region. It sits just under the Himalayas there. So as you see these glaciers melting, that melt, that water is flowing down rivers into Pakistan. The other issue Pakistan faces is that it has really poor infrastructure and there has been a lot of building as the population expands in recent years into the floodplains. All of this combining for this catastrophe. I have heard from a number of you uh, asking how you can help. I have put a link in the show notes on ways to help and organizations you can donate to. I want to stay abroad here where we're watching the happenings around the Zaporizhia nuclear power plant in central Ukraine. As the war now enters a seventh month, Russian artillery fired at Ukrainian towns across the river from the plant overnight. This all reinforces fears locally and from international officials that the Russians are risking a radioactive disaster if they continue shelling around the plant. We've been watching the Zaporizhia plant since the spring. It is the largest atomic plant in Europe, though several of its reactors are currently shut down. Zaporizhia was captured by Russian troops in March, and it's still run by Ukrainian staff there. These people are, are true heroes. They've been basically running the plant for several months now under uh, Russian military rule. 
The complex is on the southern front line of the war and has been one of the major hotspots as we've been watching. The Ukrainians are currently trying to push the Russians back and take back the land in the Zaporizhia area. The UN and Ukrainian officials have called for a withdrawal of military equipment, Russian military equipment, and personnel from the plant to ensure it is not a target. The Ukrainian foreign minister said that Russian forces have essentially turned the nuclear power plant into a military base. He says that puts the whole continent of Europe at risk and they have no business being there. The Russians, for their part, are claiming that the risk is all the Ukrainians. The Ukrainians are responding. We obviously have no plans to blow up a nuclear power plant in our own country, risking our own citizens. But the Russians continue to point the finger at the Ukrainians being like, no, it's totally them that's risking the plant here. One thing we're watching this week is UN and International Atomic Agency officials are looking to get clearance from the Russians to go inspect the plant and ensure everything is being run properly. All right, back here at home on the economic front, it could be a tough week ahead for Wall Street. We saw a brutal sell-off on Friday. The Dow fell 1,000 points, down 3%. It was its worst day since May. The S&P 500 and the NASDAQ, the two other indices, also had their worst days since June. The drops for all three indices essentially meant that all the gains that we had seen over the last couple of weeks of August have been eliminated. This all came after the Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell gave a short but very blunt speech. I actually posted the indexes on the Instagram feed on Friday showing basically at the point he spoke and then the complete collapse. Essentially what Powell said on Friday was the Fed is still worried about inflation and he plans to continue aggressively raising interest rates to stop inflation in the coming months. A reminder that raising interest rates, as they have done the past few months, is the main tool the Fed has to try to dry up spending and money in the economy. And the calculation is essentially this. Less cash in the economy means less spending. Less spending and less demand means prices come down. Another key thing Wall Street will be watching this week, another senior Fed official will be speaking tomorrow on their game plan for inflation. I want to stay with business news here. Politico has a report out that the U.S. government, the Justice Department, might be nearing a major antitrust lawsuit against the most valuable public company in the world, Apple. Various groups of prosecutors inside the Justice Department are assembling the pieces for a potential lawsuit. This is what Politico is reporting this weekend. They add the department's antitrust division hopes to file a suit against Apple by the end of 2022. Now, officially, the Justice Department has not made a final decision of whether or when to sue Apple, it's still possible that a case may not be filed. But we've all been watching in recent years as the federal government, this happened during the Trump administration, and now during the Biden administration, has been trying to crack down on these multi-trillion dollar tech companies. In recent years, federal regulators and multiple states have filed antitrust suits against Google and Facebook. This antitrust suit, if the Justice Department moves ahead against Apple, will be the first major Justice Department one during the Biden administration. The Justice Department has been now investigating Apple for about three years since 2019 over allegations that it abused its market power to hurt smaller tech companies, including app developers and competing hardware makers. As this investigation has progressed, the source tells Politico a suit has become increasingly likely. But one thing that's certainly going through their minds is that any case is going to be a really hard fight for the Justice Department. Apple has a market cap of nearly $3 trillion. So needless to say, Apple has the resources and the lawyers to defend itself. Apple has already shown a willingness to litigate to protect its lucrative app store. Uh, they had the lawsuit against the maker of Fortnite, Epic Games. And so that is actually one of the things DOJ is looking into. And Apple is more than likely to want to defend itself mightily. And sort of staying with tech here as we leave you today, Amazon is set to release its biggest ever show this Friday on Amazon Prime. And it has quite the price tag. The Wall Street Journal reports that at $715 million, the Lord of the Rings, the Rings of Power, 
is the most expensive season of TV ever made. Many of you have been very excited at the launch of the season. The eight-episode season premiere is this Friday, September 2nd. The journal came to this total, $715 million, by adding up the first season budget and the rights agreement that Amazon paid to get access to The Lord of the Rings. The new series will return to some of the locations in New Zealand that we saw in Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings film trilogy. A little history and some factoids for you here. Since the first book of the Lord of the Rings series was published in 1954, more than 150 million copies have been sold. It's been translated into dozens of languages. Collectively, the Lord of the Rings movies grossed nearly $3 billion at the global box office. The final installment, The Return of the King, won a record-tying 11 Academy Awards, including Best Picture. Back to the Amazon series here. With several seasons planned, Amazon's total spending on the Rings of Power TV series, it's expected to exceed $1 billion. So some basic math here is Amazon is looking to make at least a billion dollars to break even on this, but is looking to make it and beyond. It is betting big on this, on merchandising and a number of series spinoffs. So we will look for that Friday night, but we have a whole week of news ahead of us. I want to thank you for listening to this Monday edition of the Mo News Daily Podcast. Don't forget to follow us and review the show in the App Store on whatever app you listen to your podcast on. And a reminder to subscribe to the Mo News newsletter over at monews.bulletin.com. And follow me if you're not already on Instagram for the latest and greatest 24-7. My Instagram account at Moshe at M-O-S-H-E-H. I'll see everyone back here tomorrow.